Hey folks, Rob here from Fat, Drunk, and Stupid. And what is that, you ask? Well, aside from three words that describe my life, it's a podcast. We talk about food, fun, fellowship, movies, books, video games, pop culture, and much more. Also, some very interesting guests and some awesome stories. And of course, some cold beers along the way too. So look us up on Twitter at FDS Podcast 7 and look for Fat, Drunk, and Stupid wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, I'm Abby and I'm Shauna and we're the host of a podcast called Anxious and Afraid. Do you love deep dives into true crime, the paranormal, strange history, conspiracies? Well, so do we. And each week we take turns surprising each other with whatever anxiety inducing subject we are obsessed with that week. Tune in each week to hear Shauna mispronounce words. Um, the guys on the lookout apparently asked for binoculars. Did I say that right? So the photos showed him and his colleague entertaining. <laughs> Wait, am I saying that wrong? Yes. <laughs> and listen in as Abby constantly asks too many questions. I was oh, about to ask you a lot of questions. And I'm glad that you interrupted me. Continue. <laughs> I would have told you to shut up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Stop I'm trying quizzing to me. Do. Okay, okay, you know, I did enough research. <laughs> Let me just tell the damn story. Jesus. Continue. Episodes drop every Tuesday, available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find us at our website, anxiousandafraid.com. We're always looking for new friends, so don't forget to rate and subscribe. So what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Why was that scary? It just I really like that movie. I didn't think he was going to make it. It just it brought a tear to my eye. That's fair. And it put the fear in my heart. When he thought his grandma was going to lose her house because he couldn't make it. Yep. That was a tough shot, that final shot. It sure was. Especially when that dickhead was trying to fuck him up. That guy was a dickhead. Right. He's a dickhead in like every movie he's ever in. I have no idea what that actor's he name is. He just looks like a frat bro. He does. That's grown up, but still acts like a frat bro. We all know those guys. Some of you are probably listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, bro. Bruh. Bruh. I can't even say it right. What's the Bruh. scariest movie you've ever seen? It's The Bruh. Exorcist. Absolutely. Bruh. Bruh. No, you're putting too much emphasis on that. Uh-huh. It's just bruh. Bruh. Like a dog. Bruh. Sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll go start with that. somewhere. <laughs> no, I think for me, the scariest was probably The Exorcist, although the poltergeist gave me some serious nightmares as a kid. Hardcore. Because for some reason, it was okay for me to watch the poltergeist, but not... Or watch Poltergeist, but not The Exorcist. And I saw The Exorcist at a sleepover. Yeah. Fucking traumatized me for life with that shit, man. That's why I didn't do that when I was young. You still haven't seen either of those, have you? Oh, yeah. I've seen them all the time. Or The Omen. Or have you ever even seen the Twilight Zone movie? Yeah. You have? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That was a weird movie. And I watched all the Twilight Zones. I mean, not all of them, but on TV, the show. Mm-hmm. Those were good shows. Which one was your favorite episode? I don't remember. Do you remember? No, it was so long ago. I'd watch them with my grandpa. The one that sticks out in my head is the uh, it's the one where a guy wakes up and he's like in Nazi Germany or something. It's very uh, Man in the Dark, in the High Castle, Man in the High Castle. Mm-hmm. But I don't, it's been a long, long time. It's kind of like uh, Black Mirror, I think it's called. 
yeah. on Netflix. I haven't. I've only watched a few episodes of that. They're good. They're trippy. For sure. I don't know. I just don't have enough time for all this shit. For podcasting and watching a bajillion different shows, I'm just gonna stick with the ones I've already watched but a million like times. Fifteen minute episodes. <sighs> but then you have to invest fifteen minutes, and I just don't want wow, to. Wow, <laughs> so hard. It is. <laughs> Well, hey. Hey. I'm Emily. I'm Joel. And you are listening to Drink. Drunk. Dead. So what are you drinking this week, Joel? I'm drinking Jack Daniels, Emily. What are you drinking, Emily? I am drinking Jose Cuervo, Joel. Mine's honey, Emily. Mine's gold, Joel. My real honey, Emily. That hurts. That's fucking me. I even bought you that shit. I don't like your face yeah, right you now. Did. It's making me mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can tell by your laughter. You poured it into my cup first and it still smells like honey but tastes like tequila. It's a very interesting combination. Might just be my farts. No, your farts definitely don't smell like honey. They sure do. I chugged a whole 12-ounce bottle of it earlier. Of honey? Yeah. Yeah, but you also had those flaming hot Cheetos, and as we know from last episode, that was yesterday. Yeah, that'll still bite you today, and you know Nuh-uh. it. This morning, maybe. But okay, not anymore. Let's move away from your butthole for Let's a while, move please. Away. That was evacuate the system within like two hours. These are just such pertinent details. That we really all needed to have. Thank you for letting us know. Hot Cheetos are like the express train <laughs> to a clean colon. Is that how you keep the weight off? You just eat the hot Cheetos and clear yeah, everything out? Right. Doesn't matter how many chicken wings or pieces of pizza you eat, throw a couple handfuls of hot Cheetos in afterwards. Good as gold. I will keep that in mind for yeah, when I eat my next fad diet. Your body always you know retains the nutrients from what you ate but without all the fats all right so we have we have a really good couple of episodes lined up for you this episode is going to be a little different than what we normally do we were we were given this opportunity to do an early screening and review for a movie that's about to be released on Amazon sometime in July i'm not sure when they're releasing that so what we're going to do is we're going to have our usual spotlight followed by the review for the movie. And then we'll get into the stuff that you're really here for. And this week we're doing um, we're doing Cursed Movies, if you haven't picked up on our topic from earlier, which I'm so excited about our Cursed Movies. <laughs> and then the plan is that next week we should be having a special guest coming onto the show. Her name is Bree Carnegie, and she is a paranormal investigator that spent some time interning on Ghost Adventures. So that's the show with... Your favorite, Zach Baggins. Mm-hmm. Baggins. Baggins. Zach Baggins. So she's going to be coming on and she's going to tell us about herself and her favorite investigation. And she might even have some EVPs for us to listen to, maybe some pictures. I hit her up. I haven't heard back just yet, but I'm pretty sure that she said she has some EVPs to 
play for us, which is going to be so good. And you are going to have nightmares, I bet you. You don't like EVPs. Do I not? Every time we watch a show with EVPs, they freak you out. Since when? Since always. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, whatever. Sure, I don't know play that it cool I've ever for been the listeners. Particularly whatever. freaked out by an EVP. You haven't heard any good EVPs then. So, shall we talk about our spotlight for this week? Yes. Awesome. So, this is something that I learned about through the Washington Post, an article in the Washington Post, and it's called Ecuador's Amazon Emergency Action Fund. So, what's going on is that down in like Brazil, Ecuador, anywhere where the Amazon rainforest is, all the native people, the indigenous communities, they're really struggling right now. The coronavirus has really put them in a really terrible position. They're isolated, they're impoverished, um, they're exposed to environmental waste and degradation, and they have very little access to any kind of quality health care at all. Shortly after Ecuador declared a lockdown because of the virus, just like every other country in the world, two oil pipelines burst and it contaminated their primary source of food and water for the indigenous people that live downstream, which is, that's a huge deal. That's where they bathe, that's where they wash their clothes, that's the their, their drinking water, that's where they fish. And then with the lockdowns and travel restrictions, food delivery to the communities that did receive some kind of delivery at all, food Food deliveries have halted, so that people are at a really high risk of starvation, and they are just being absolutely ignored by their governments. The shitty situation. Yeah, it's an awful situation. They're just the they've experienced some of the worst death tolls in the whole world due to the virus, and they're really, really quickly losing their elders. And their elders are really important because they're the primary guardians of the ancestral knowledge that's within the community. So they're passing down knowledge about medicinal plants and the history of each community and all that important stuff that isn't written down that plays such a a big role in the identity of these communities. And it's so important and it's being lost because the elders are just, they're getting obliterated. So the goal of the emergency fund is to use the donations for prevention, emergency assistance, and legal action to educate the locals on prevention methods and um, maybe bring in some things to help protect them like masks and such evacuate the critically ill, which is a big deal because they don't have any kind of, like I said, they really don't have access. They can't get out. They've been cut off. Right. And then to demand justice, particularly from the Ecuadorian government and the oil companies to just kind of get something for those communities and force some kind of action for these communities. So I'll I'll provide the links in our show notes and on our social media, but you can also find the fund under Amazon Action Fund COVID-19, and that's at give.amazonfrontlines.org. And like I said, I'll put all that information up so that you have easy access to it. Please go check it out and consider donating. They really haven't. I looked at the donation fund. They haven't received that much money yet. They're only at like $100,000. So that's our spotlight for this week. So support. Please Show support. the Ecuadorians that you're out here for. Shall we get to our movie review? Sure. Okay. So I got some information for you before we go right into the review. Sure. The movie that we watched 
that we got to watch the the early release for. It's called The Legend of the Muse, and it's a Tricoast production. And it's like I said, it's going to be released on Amazon sometime in July, so keep an eye out for it. It's about a struggling painter named Adam that meets like a Celtic goddess or spirit or something who becomes. Oh, is she Celtic? Shut up, Celtic. I never knew that she was Celtic. Oh, I hate you. You're such a dick. She ends up becoming his muse for his work and also his very passionate and regularly naked lover. She basically just walks around this whole movie butt naked. If you want to see titties, this is the movie for you. I loved it. I know you were very happy with the amount of titties you got to see in this film. Decent titties. Yeah, they weren't they weren't bad. I'm not I'm not going to rag on another person's tits cuz I'm not going to pretend like mine are perfect. But they're perfect for you, right, baby? Hell yeah. Yeah, I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's directed by John Burr. And he seems to be, like, fairly new to the directing scene. He really didn't have... I looked on IMDb and there was there weren't really any other credits. Nothing I'd ever heard of. Maybe two other things on there. So, it looked like he'd done some production, but maybe not directing. The lonely painting protagonist, Adam, is portrayed by Riley Egan, who seems to be another relative newcomer. That This guy kind of looks like a nerdy Bradley Cooper. The beautiful but really violent muse is played by actress Elle Evans. And she's had a few roles in shows like It's Always Sunny and Two and a Half Men. I haven't been into those shows enough to recognize her before. Maria, who is Adam's neighbor and initial... Initial? That's a good word. Initial. Initial love interest is played by Emmy Award-winning Kate Mancy, who, if you are into soap operas, you might recognize her as um, Abigail Devereaux from Days of Our Lives. Adam's mentor and confidant is played by Jenny Fawn. Jenny is another award-winning actress. She's played roles in popular shows like The Middle, Heroes, and My Name is Earl. We've watched almost all of My Name is Earl, and I did not recognize her from that film, but or from that. Either way, I didn't recognize Which her. Which one was the neighbor again? What'd she look like? No, I'm talking about his mentor, the woman at the, oh, at the art gallery. gallery. The woman who was supposed to be Irish, but I didn't recognize it until like three quarters of the way through the movie. I wonder if she was just a small role in... My Name is Earl? Maybe. Because I, I feel like I've definitely seen her in something else. Not necessarily my name's Earl, but... She has quite the list. She's definitely a veteran actor. And then the last person that's really kind of worth note at all is uh, the douchey and dangerous neighbor. His name's Hector, and he's portrayed by actor Max Decker. Max has also been in quite a few things, and he's also been in Days of Our Lives and Heroes and Criminal Minds, so it looks like they were pulling maybe like this core group of minor role players from TV series. Uh, They all seem to overlap somewhat. So maybe they all run in the same circle and they're like, hey, yo, I want to do this with this person. As a podcaster, I have no idea what that's like. No. You sit there twiddling your braids. Uh Uh-huh. Making yourself try to look so cool. Do you solve crimes? Crimes? You don't like my mustache? I love your mustache. I mustache you a question. I wish it were real. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> what is it from Super Troopers? He wants a mustache ride. I do. I do. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they pull over the two 
crazy speeding Germans. Oh. And then he mm. takes them back to his house and he has like a big old threesome. Oh. Anyway, moving away from Super Troopers, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a little bit of, not a whole lot because I don't want to give anything away, but maybe just kind of our impressions. I was definitely expecting more of a thriller or a horror, but this really turned out to be kind of a suspense movie. It did have the, a few jump scares, but not too many. At it was definitely start, more suspenseful. There was jump scares at the start. Yeah, but there weren't really too many throughout the movie. No. That's what I'm saying. It was all, like at the start, there was like two. What were your I overall thoughts? I thought it was thoughts? a weird movie. Weird? Yeah. It was weird. I enjoyed it. It definitely didn't being lose weird, our attention. Being weird doesn't make it unenjoyable, right? Mm-hmm. But it was definitely... There were some interesting minds on the writer's board for that one. Yeah, it's, it kept, you definitely, it kept your attention, but it didn't feel fast paced at all. It felt like it took a little while to get where it was going. And I don't, it felt like all the characters, except for the two main characters, Adam and the Muse, like they were all fairly dynamic characters. And then those two characters, the muse doesn't have a single freaking line. And Adam only has like three lines in the whole movie. He's so quiet. I think that, you that was get- definitely done on purpose to kind of show that relationship between the two that they share that. And then they are so different than the world around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it draws focus that, you know, his creativity and his voice is exhibited through his artwork. I, I would agree with that because he's very shy and he seems pretty reserved and kind of like he definitely keeps to himself for the most part. Even when he's doing really well, he has like one moment where he stands up to Maria. Uh, yeah, Maria's boyfriend. And that's mm-hmm. it. He really doesn't have a whole lot of brave moments in the movie or any big moments. He's And it's not so much brave. It's that he feels protected. And so he's feeling bold. I wouldn't say that's brave. I honestly don't really know if the movie is, it's called the legend of the muse, but it makes it, when you look at it, you think initially that he's the main character, but I really think the main character is the muse. You see growth and change for him, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this movie. Well, I feel like if I say and if I comment on that, it's kind of giving away yeah. some things. But It was definitely not a horrible movie. It's worth a watch. Yeah, I'd recommend watching it for sure. Mm-hmm. You have to give it a bit. You got to let it get rolling. Because at the start, it's a bit kind of bland. TBH. But it gets better. Mm-hmm. I would say it's definitely a predictable film, but so many are. Especially in genres like this. You know what's going to happen and what's coming. But right. That doesn't make it any less enjoyable. I didn't really see it. You didn't see any of that coming? Oh, well, not, you don't watch this. any of it, but I can't explain it on here. Okay. That's fair. Anything, any other final words you would like to say about The Legend of the Muse before we move on? If you like blonde girls and you like titties. Yep. Watch it. Yep. Boobs. There really wasn't that much. I think you're over-exaggerating it. What I did, there was like three scenes with titties. What I did appreciate was that when he would paint her, especially to start with, what he was most mesmerized with was not it was her eyes. It was her eyes. It wasn't her breast. It wasn't her butt. It wasn't her waist. 
It wasn't any of those typical sexual attraction things. It was the eyes. He was absolutely entranced with the eyes. And I think that was, to me, that was something nice that came out of it. Like, he paints a little bit more that gets kind of sexual yeah. in some and things. Then, but, but then there was that painting of the I think it's supposed to be like the vision. It's supposed to signify the vision. Mm-hmm. You know, that he has. And then it's always sitting there in his apartment watching everything that's going on. Yeah. The gigantic eye painting. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I thought it was an interesting movie. It's worth a watch. Right. Go check it out. I would enjoy a muse. Are you my muse? Don't you think? I forced you onto this, didn't I? Pretty much. But you don't protect me. I protect you. What do you protect me from? Go ahead and tell me. Everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There'd probably be a koala bear in here right now if it weren't for me. <laughs> you know what? Koala bears are actually something to be afraid of. They're kind of assholes. Yeah, so. <laughs> they are. So are sloths. <laughs> They're dickheads when they get moving. <laughs> so you're welcome. Go ahead and take back with that bullshit you're talking about. Asshole. Asshole. So I think we're going to keep our fun facts really short this week. Just because we had the review and that was a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Do you have any fun facts that you wanted to I share? I have one little unrelated to anything that we've ever talked about fun fact. Or will, probably. Coming in at 6,601,668 square miles. Russia, the largest continent in the world. It is not a continent. It's a country. Okay, that's what I said. <laughs> you struggle Check with your Russia, dude. Hearing? Okay, so anyways, Russia, the biggest continent, uh-huh, slash uh-huh, country, uh-huh. slash city. Shitty. Shitty in the world. Beats a little known planet who you are, um, you hold much feeling for it. I guess Fucking I should Pluto say. is not, you, it is part of our solar system, man. Just because it's a dwarf doesn't mean it should be excluded. Pluto comes in at 6,427,805 square miles Okay, of surface area. This you- is, by the way. You know what? Nobody's ever fucking conquered Russia. Why? Because Russia's so goddamn big. Nobody's ever what conquered Pluto. For? Because you know why? I don't know. Because it's, it's fucking so forever far away. away. <laughs> There's no reason to go to Pluto. Pluto's a damn planet. Okay, why would we want to go to Pluto? Don't argue with me about Pluto being a planet. I don't care if it's a dwarf planet. It's still a planet. It's going to be Ain't part of my solar system. with you They about knocked it out of the damn solar planet, system. They're not Pluto teaching my kids about planet. this shit. Who the hell's going to Pluto? <laughs> Nobody. You can't live on Pluto. I don't, it's, probably, it's probably ice, isn't it? There's a lot of water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's frozen. Let's go to fucking Mars. Gosh. Well, thank you for your fun fact. So I did Russia not know that. Russia is bigger than Pluto. Russia is bigger than Pluto. But I'm really not surprised because Russia's fucking huge. And it also dwarfs the second biggest country, which is Canada. That has a land mass of only 3,855,103 square miles. Yeah, but it probably has about as many people as Texas. I'm going to say Texas, California, all of Canada. There's so much of Canada that you can't live in. Let's Google it. How many citizens are in Canada? While you're doing that, should I give my fun facts? Sure. Okay. So I have some fun facts about the show then. And the first one is that I got to go on kind of like a, a live streaming episode of the truth about beer and which they tackle a lot of paranormal stuff and they do drink and they're three really funny guys. I think they started off with two. I started the series. I don't really remember. 
it's been a little while. I, I have to get back to it. Listen to too many podcasts right now, but I had a great time with the guys on there last night. So I'll be putting up the link because you guys should go check them out. They're really funny. They're pretty chill. I highly recommend you go and give them a listen. So I'll put up the link a little later. My second fun fact is that I'm kind of a dumbass, uh-huh. which really is not a surprise. Not at all. The Thank fun you. fact is that in the last episode, I said that Wales is in England. That's not true. You said Wales is in Australia. No, no, no. You were talking about New South Wales. New South Wales is in Australia. I said Wales is in England. But Wales, Wales is its own thing. It's its own country. Yep. It's part of the UK. It's not like Great Britain. It, well, you yeah, no. It's, you really didn't know that? And you're the history buff here? I did know that. I just was stupid. Yeah, and bullshit. We drink. We drink. So that was a that was a dumbass thing. My bad. I'm sorry, Wales. You are your own country. I recognize that. My bad. And Even then my, I knew that. <laughs> my last little fun fact for you is that our listener in one of our listeners in Texas is Chris from State of Fear, from State of Fear podcast, and so he's from Humble, Texas, and I've been pronouncing it humble, but I guess the H is silent. Like it's weird in herbs. Yeah, no, it, I don't like it. I'm going to keep... I'm sorry, Texas. I like it better when it's humble. It's just... I don't like... It's not it, very humble of you. Just... I don't know. It's too Trumpy and it's huge. Huge. Yumble. Well, it's Texas, so... It is huge. Yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. So, I'm sorry, Texas. I've been mispronouncing your city, but... Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, Chris. Sure, Thanks Texas for correcting me on that okay. one. <laughs> What's it? So, did you figure out... Canada has a population of 37.59 million, which was as of 2019. Okay. Texas has a population of 29 million. So it's a little so bigger Canada's than Texas. a little bit bigger. But California, again from 2019, has a population of 39.51 million. So around 2 million more. So Canada is the second largest country in the entire world but its population is smaller than that of california and 14 and a half million people live in ontario so like 40 percent of the people of popular canada's population is in one one city i really want to go to canada i've never been i've never been out of get our passports forced passports forced forced. (laughs) (laughs) switching vowels Alcohol. (laughs) I'm not even feeling it. I just can't speak. Welcome to my world. Thanks. This is a weird world. So we've had our drinks. We're on our way to being drunk. Now it's time for the dead. dead. Didn't hear you. Uh Dead. Dead. I beat you. I didn't. Uh Suck it. You suck it. So I think I get to go first this week. So this week we are covering Cursed. Films, so films that uh, have curses associated with them that people think. Maybe it's the 21st century. They're called movies now. Films? No, it's still movies. a film. It's still a film. Movie. Just because it's digital. I don't... It makes me sad. That it's digital? Do you know why they called it silver screen? Called what silver screen? The films, they'd play them on the silver screen because the screen actually silver. had like silver in it. And the movies were different than the talkies. Movies came first. Talkies came later. What we watch is actually a talkie. Because there wasn't a way to record. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't the originally audio. audio. 
We watch talkies, not movies. Little thing for you there. That should have been your fun fact. <laughs> WTF, bruh. So I picked one of my favorite horror movies and one that still freaks me out. Poltergeist. I told you at the beginning, it scares the shit out of me. This movie freaks me out. It was a, and it still is, a massively popular film written and produced primarily by Steven Spielberg. And it's directed by Toby Hooper, the original. And it was released on June 4th of 1982. Like I said, massively popular. Really raked it in the cash back in the 80s. Huge. It's about a family of five, the Freelings, that move into uh, a newly developed neighborhood. And the dad, Steve, is one of the developers of the neighborhood. And it turns out that it was built atop an old cemetery. And I can't really remember. I saw kind of conflicting stuff online, and it's been a little while. I should have watched the movie. But whether it was an old Native American cemetery or just a regular cemetery. Because they said they had supposedly moved... The whole cemetery is moved prior to the construction, but Steve was never made aware that the cemetery even existed there. But he finds out at the end of the movie that all they did was move the headstones, and I can't think that Native Americans probably put up headstones. That's a very... I don't think so. Right. But I think it's supposed to be a Native American cemetery, which I'm a little confused on, but whatever. It's California, so... Well, if it were... Maybe in the mid-1800s or something. Were colonials who moved west still considered colonials? No, they were pioneers. Maybe it's pioneers who slaughtered them and then buried them. Possibly, possibly. They still try to be respectful. So I know you've never seen this movie, so I wanted to give you a little rundown and maybe for our listeners who've never seen the movie. So one night, the youngest daughter, Carol Ann wakes up and she starts having conversations with the television, which is, back in the 80s, it would go to static late at night. So they would play, like, the national anthem and go to static. I remember the shit because I'm old. <laughs> I fucking remember the days when it would do that. The programming would end at a certain time. Uh-huh. I can't remember when, what time of night. But Carol Ann gets up and she starts having conversations with the static on the television. And then at one point, like, a hand reaches out. Shortly after this... Weird stuff starts happening, like objects and furniture moving in the house, like for chairs get stacked up on top of the table and a little remote control car is moving itself, I think. And then things escalate with attacks from the unseen and Carol Ann ends up going disappearing. So I don't, like I said, I don't want to give away too much of the story. I'm just going to give you a few bullet points because I want you to see this. And I don't want to give away an ending for somebody who hasn't seen it yet. Although it's been nearly 40 years since it was released, which makes me feel really old. I, I Like I said, I don't want to go into too many details because it'll spoil it. But there are a few iconic scenes that play a role in the curse that I want to discuss so that you know about them. At one point, the mom ends up in the backyard during a storm. And they had a pool that was under construction. And the pool ends up filling up with water, so it's full of mud, muddy water. She ends up in the pool filled with the muddy water when a bunch of bodies start popping up all around her. That's gangster. This is a still of the scene. Scared the crap out of me as a kid, right? That scared you? Wait till you understand a little bit more about this movie. Then you'll get why it scares me. But yes, 
she's swimming in a pool full of these things. That's only, that's a, that picture just shows two, but it, there were loads of them in there. And it's during a really scary part of the movie. So, pff, fuck off. I mean, he's pretty ugly. So I'd just be scared enough right there. So there's that scene. Yeah, it's scary. Just wait till you see a baby. You'll understand. In another scene, the brother, Robbie, who's the middle child, he gets attacked by um, this clown toy that he has in his room. And it's a creepy-ass clown toy to begin with. But what happens is the clown, like, wraps its arm all the way around his neck like a spiral and starts to choke him. And that's another important scene from The Curse. So just hang on to those in your mind. We'll come back to them in a little bit. So... Ultimately, the movie ended up spawning a franchise. So there were three films, um, a TV series, and eventually a 2015 remake, which was just panned. Because nobody fucking likes remakes of movies that were already so good to begin with. Don't fucking remake Footloose. That's amazing. Don't fuck with it. Don't remake Poltergeist. It was so good. Why are you fucking with it? Don't remake Baywatch. It was so good. Yeah, that one too. That's definitely up there on the classics. (laughs) You know what's a really good show? Hmm. Jimmy Neutron. Just popped in my head. I was too old for that. That was definitely you. I was like 16 when that show came out. All right, out. well, you don't have to redneck and eyes. Maybe older. It was, nah, I was too Boys old for that. Boys would friggin' love that show. Yes, they would. With the robo dog and shit. You still fucks with Phineas and Ferb, though, so I don't. Understand where because that Phineas and came Ferb from. is a fucking genius you show. Are you kidding? You were older when Phineas and Ferb came out. I don't care. I watched that Jimmy as a Neutron goddamn was adult. Out like ten years before Phineas and Ferb ever was. There isn't even an argument. You've been here. in your twenties, dude. Phineas and, and Ferb. You want to say you're an adult? Is absolutely uh-huh. superior to Jimmy. To Neutron. Jimmy Neutron. No, yes. you can oh. lick on my ball sack and my butthole mm-hmm. all day long because no. The music and the science and the fun no. of it. Ugh. You didn't even watch Phineas Jimmy Neutron, so I've you can't make it. a valid argument right <sighs> Whatever. there. Talk Can't. to somebody who grew up in this shit. Aww. Oh, it makes me feel so you young. You just making yeah. me mad. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Don't talk anymore about that bullshit. Can I get into yeah, my story now? Continue. Because I was kind of hoping. Is greater than. Basically. Fuck no. I was hoping I could talk about the curse now. Go on with your little angry self. I'm pissed Go off ahead. right now. Like, that that's not matter. even an argument. That don't matter. Go ahead. All right. Shut up while I talk, please. I can try. Shut your mouth. I, I know try. it's a challenge for you. I, I realize that. So, as usual. All right. No, listen here. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I pulled from many sources, but my main ones were Snopes, Ranker, Oxygen, and Biography. And then I think I pulled some stuff from Grunge. There were multiple cast deaths around or shortly after the release of films. And um, so four of the deaths occurred during the production of the three original films. And then one of them occurred several years later. So there are five deaths that are associated with the film. Four during production, one later. And then there were a whole bunch of accidents and just really weird occurrences that happened and i'm gonna break this down for you oh break it down shoddy are you ready for this ride i'm ready buckle up bitch uh-uh i'm not wearing a seatbelt and i'm putting my hands and feet outside the window you fucking rebel you're gonna end up like uh james dean and little bish and the invincible vehicle 
I'm the invincible man, so it don't matter. Okay. Told you I tried breaking my bone once. What? I tried breaking a bone. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why would no, you do okay. that? Ask eight year old me what the fuck is wrong with you. Because I wanted to have a cast. I'm pretty sure it was over a girl. I don't remember exactly why I wanted to break a bone, but I'm pretty sure it was because. Well, I thought it was cool, right? To have a cast and to break a bone. You're such a hard ass, you know? But I'm pretty sure there's this girl who signed somebody else's cast. And I kind of got jealous. And I was like, if I break my arm, she'll sign my cast. And then I'll have something, you know, to look at. That's fucking genius. And, right? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure her name was Emily, too. Because there's this girl in grade school. who <laughs> Was I, she older? I was she in a grade on. older? Than no, like she was in my grade. Oh, okay. Because you like the older ladies. But her name was Emily. Yeah. And um, jumped off of like a 20 foot tall slide right on my elbow and nothing. That is ballsy. I can't even. Mm -mm. I was talking to um, Studying Scarlet podcast, Ashley over there. They were doing an episode and they were talking about gouging out eyes. And I can't even fucking deal with that. The idea of breaking a bone. Mm mm. Should I tell you about a story about no, eyeball in nope. a lollipop? Mm -mm. No. Fuck no. Okay. Just stop it there. Can I please continue with my curse here? I think this might be more interesting oh, for the God. viewers. <laughs> please. I don't want to yeah, hear about the eyeballs. <laughs> Ashley, tell them to stop. <laughs> okay, so the two main deaths that are attributed to the curse of the movie are that of Heather O'Rourke, who played Carol Ann, and... Dominique Dunn, who played her older sister, Dana. 22-year-old Dominique Dunn was the first to die, and she was really kind of what kicked off the idea of the curse. In the fall of 1982, Dunn broke up with her, like, seriously abusive boyfriend. This guy was an asshole. They'd only been together for, like, a year. His name's John Sweeney. He was, I think, a sous chef for Wolfgang Puck, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, but okay. I'm pretty sure. So he thought he was hot shit, and he would beat her up all the time, and she was like, fuck this crap, I'm done with it. Kicks him to the curb. And then on the night of October 30th, Dominique was rehearsing with a co-star for a new role that she'd just been hired for, when Sweeney shows up at her house to beg her to take him back, but she refused. So a struggle ensues, and he ended up choking her for something between four and six minutes, which was later determined. And the co-star inside that was rehearsing with her heard the commotion and called the police. Like, she'd gone outside and said, wait a minute, I'm going to go deal with this bullshit. And the guy's like, okay, whatever, I'll hang out in here. And then he hears that, but doesn't go out and stop the commotion. He doesn't go out and save her. He just calls the police. Like, way to puss out on that one. Yeah, right. So he calls the police, and whoever he called, whatever police department he called, they told him that this was out of their jurisdiction, so they didn't come. He goes, like, running out of the house, confronts Sweeney, and Sweeney says, I think I killed her. You need to call the cops. <laughs> so they call the cops again, and when they do arrive, Sweeney, the boyfriend's waiting in the driveway with his hands in the air and said, I killed my girlfriend, and I tried to kill myself. Like, I guess he took a whole bunch of pills and then tried to lay down next to her. Mm. She wasn't actually dead at that time, though. 
Dominique was taken to Cedar sinai Hospital, and she was in a coma for several days, but she just really had no signs of life. And she died a few days later on November 5th, which was exactly, or I'm sorry, November 4th, which was exactly five months after the movie was released into theaters. Huh. Sweeney ended up being convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to six and a half years in prison, but he was released after serving, like, I think it was three years and eight months of time for strangling well, you her. You got enough lucky. The, the thing that's just bullshit about this is that Dominique's family tried to bring all this evidence from previous girlfriends and reports from Dominique that he was abusive. It's like, this is goes way back. He's obviously a douchebag and something needs to happen. And the judge was like, nope, I'm not considering it. We're not pulling that in. I'm not going to consider it. And he basically got to walk with murdering with her. Mm-hmm. Which is just crap. But eventually, I think her family basically ran him out of town after he was released. There you go. So, I guess a little bright side to that. But he's probably still out there living a totally normal life. Getting away with murdering his girlfriend. It's just so shitty. That is pretty shitty. So that's the first death that's associated with the film. Heather O'Rourke's death is another tragic end. So that's Carol Ann. She's the main character of the three Poltergeist movies. At the time of the premiere of the first movie, she was this really beautiful, active, kind of cherub-faced, really sweet little six-year-old girl, right? In early 1987, she became really ill with... Giardiasis, which is like Giardia, but it's Giardiasis. I can't even say Giardiasis. No, I don't want to. Spell it. (laughs) Stupid to spell. I don't want to spell it. Spell it. Do you know what Giardia is? It's it's like a stomach condition. I know what Giardians is. So she ended up getting this illness. She caught it from drinking well water at her family house. And this led to her being diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is like that that intestinal disease that makes it really pa- it's a painful disease of the intestines on july 31st of the following year so this is 19 19- wow i said that wrong not even close to right on january 31st of the following year <laughs> what how do you fuck up july 14th with january <laughs> <laughs> no shut up on january 31st of the following year so this is 1988 she started to get really sick and she was exhibiting these flu-like symptoms and then the next morning she collapses in her home and she's rushed to a local community hospital and on the way she goes into cardiac arrest the emts are able to restart her heart and when she gets to the hospital they're like fuck we can't do anything about this so they airlifted her to the children's hospital in san diego when she got there They discovered that she had intestinal stenosis, and I had to look this up. It's a blockage in the intestines. So they rushed her into the OR for an emergency surgery to remove this blockage. But as she's being transferred from the OR to the recovery room, she suffers another cardiac arrest, and this time she couldn't be revived. And it turned out that she didn't actually have Crohn's disease. She had some kind of degenerative disease in her intestines that was, or I'm sorry, congenital disease. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. I don't know. It was some kind of like lifetime, lifetime, lifelong, 
tequila disease. A tequila disease. Tequila disease. Doesn't tequila's, sound like something. Tequila's so bad. making me struggle a little bit here tonight, guys. If you want to have a good time, you should drink some tequila. Drink That's all kind of tequila you should drink. That's not good. Heather died during the filming of the third movie. They hadn't completed. I. They had mostly completed it, but they weren't really happy with the ending. So what happens is in the third movie at the very end, like the final scenes, it's a body double. They got somebody else in there. And I saw this on Shudder. The director of that film really did not. Nobody wanted to finish that film after she died because she's the star. She's a kid. Everybody loved her. They just wanted to be like, fuck this shit and walk away. But they finished it because the studio made them finish it and they had to put the last scene is not Heather. It's some other little girl in that scene. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of sad. So, her official cause of death was congenital stenosis. I was right. Congenital. Which was complicated it's by like septic. like you've read it before. Shut up. Which was complicated by septic shock. So, basically, her intestines backed up and she was 12 years old. That's really sad. I remember hearing about this growing up. Like, I, I'm pretty positive that when I watched this film, my parents told me that she was dead. Oh, that sucks. Even as a kid, you don't want to hear that another kid's dead. Yeah. In 1985, Julian Beck, who had played the Reverend Henry Kane, who's like, he's the evil dude in Poltergeist 2 and 3. He dies of cancer, but this wasn't really a surprise because he'd been battling stomach cancer for a while. But he dies, does he die during Poltergeist 2, during the filming, or after? I think it's after. He dies after. But this, the gross part, and I found this out again, thank you, Shudder, from those cursed movie series, that apparently they made like a death mask of the actor. So the guy that shows up in Poltergeist 3 is wearing a fucking death, death mask of Julian Beck. A so death that, mask? Yeah. So even, you know how Abraham Lincoln and um, do you remember when I did Ned Kelly in Australia when we did the prisons? Hi. They have those plaster masks that are made of them. It's called a death mask. After you die, they make a plaster cast mask of you. Mm-hmm. And they did this for Julian Beck. And that's how they made the actor in Poltergeist 3 look like the same person or look really, really similar. It's a fucking mask. Mm. That's gross. Why I don't is like that. Gross? He's literally wearing the death moments of the person that played the role before him. You don't see I the gross. I think you interpret that? that a little bit deeper, maybe, I guess. I don't know. I don't think that's weird. I think that's weird. You're wearing somebody else's dead face, essentially. It's somebody else's face. Whether or not they're dead, their face is still the same. You know? It makes me think of that scene in The Office when Dwight cuts the face off of the CPR dummy. I mean, that's Clarice. I'm <laughs> just like, fuck it. So no, that'd be creepy. But it's not. Yeah. It, but yeah. it is. It's, I don't know. It creeps no, me out. I don't, I don't know. know. So he's Personally, not, not myself. He's not the only actor from Poltergeist 2 to die. The other actor from the second film, Will Sampson, passed away about a year after the film's release. 
Will was a really well-recognized Native American actor, and he'd portrayed Taylor in the film. He'd been in all kinds of stuff. He's really well-recognized. I think he played uh, the mute guy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is another film you've probably never seen, but I have. He died on June 3rd of 1987, about six weeks after having a like a heart-lung transplant, and his death was attributed to malnutrition Kidney failure and a fungal infection. The poor guy. That's a shitty way to go. That sucks. I think the fungal infection would be the worst part. Dude, I've learned about fungal infections. They suck. Don't. I don't want to go that way. His death was sad, but it really wasn't surprising because his health had been suffering for quite a while. He'd been dealing with scleroderma, which is a uh, it's a degenerative disease. So both. Will Sampson and Julian Beck, their deaths were sad but not surprising. But that's four people that died during the production of these films, like during the series, right? Yeah, well, either it was unfortunate that all these two people just so happened to be working on the same, you know, coincidence. Yeah. Rather, that they had all these people, you know, whether or not it would have happened. Well, so I have a little interesting piece for you. Will Sampson, who played the who played Taylor. He's the guy that died of the degenerative disease after all the Mm -hmm. surgery. He was a real life shaman and he had performed an exorcism on the set of the second film to rid it of any alien spirits because many of the people on the set felt there was bad energy related to their use of real human remains. And we'll get into that some more later, but yeah, Real human remains. It was a thing. They actually, like, the actors on set felt that there was something going on, and they asked him to do an exorcism of the set. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Interesting. In 2009, Lou Perryman, who had played a construction worker, I think the construction worker's name was Pugsley, in the first film, so this was one of the guys that was putting in the pool, he was attacked and killed with an axe by Seth Christopher Tatum, who was on the run from police and had broken into Lou's house. He said that he'd killed Lou because he needed Lou's car. So this poor guy, who really played a seriously minor role in the movie, even gets taken by this curse, right? It's a damn shame. That sucks. So those are the deaths that are associated with the film. But there's way more weirdness to talk about here. That's not That's not even the end of the shit. So do you remember how I told you that there were Two scenes from the original movie that I wanted you to remember to keep in mind. Forgot about them. The clown and the pool scene. I was making a joke. You're funny. I remembered, but. Ha! <sighs> Everybody's laughing with you, not at you. I'm just going to take a nap. You finish your story? That's pretty much how you usually do it anyway. I listen. I know. That's all you do is listen. What? He never got anything to say about anything. What you looking at me like that for? You know it's true. Butthole. There, I have something to say. Yeah, I know. You are fixated with butthole. You keep coming back to Do that. Do something interesting, and maybe I'll have something to say. Okay. Ooh. Keep Burn. listening. Maybe you'll be interested. Burn. Fuck off, man. Boom. Rusted. Oh, my God. So, in the scene where Oliver Robbins, who plays the, like I said, the middle brother, Robbie, he's being attacked by his toy mechanical clown. And the animatronic 
clown malfunction. And this is according to Robbie. He, he's been quoted on this many times. And it actually began to strangle him. A bowl strangled him? The clown. The clown. In my mind, automatically Where went the fuck to the did you bowl. go to bowl? <laughs> I don't know. Where did you pull a bowl Mechan- from? You said mechanical. And then obviously. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Such a fucking leap from what I said. I'm listening. Uh-huh. Apparently. So it starts strangling him. No one on the set noticed that there was an issue because they thought that he's just doing a really good job of acting. Until he started to turn blue, and that's when Steven Spielberg jumped in and he freed he freed Oliver from this fucking evil ass clown. This this is a legitimate toy. Somebody has it in their house now, but this thing malfunctioned while choking the kid. How do you think whoever do you think whoever owns it ever plays with it? No, I've seen it. It's in a case. They don't play with it. Well, how do you know? Doesn't mean they don't ever take it out of the case. It's a big ass clown. It'd be a pain in the ass to take down from the wall. It's up on a wall. You don't know. Thank you again. Shudder. Huh. This has been a like Shudder, you need to just fucking sponsor us here. You get it for free, so I don't <laughs> think they give a damn about yeah, right? sponsoring us. <laughs> Joe Beth Williams, who played uh she played the mom. She swears that the skeleton that's used in the infamous pool scene, that those were all real skeletons because at the time, and they might it might even still be true now, they're cheap they were cheaper than artificial ones. She's quoted as saying, I also hated working in muddy swimming pools with skeletons around me. When we were shooting, I thought the skeletons were fake. I thought the prop department made them, but later I found out they were real skeletons bought very cheaply. That grossed me out. So Again, watching that Shudder episode about Poltergeist, a guy from the prop department confirmed that they are real skeletons. That is not rumor. They are real skeletons. And he made this thing, this whole argument about how real skeletons have been used forever because they are cheaper. Which makes sense. You don't have to manufacture them. Somebody just donates a body, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot cheaper to have a real skeleton. And how nobody else was ever freaked out about that before. But at the same time, she's swimming in a fucking pool filled with these things. It's not like it's just hanging there. Or it's something that she's acting with. In a, She's swimming in a pool with dead bodies. That's messed up. That would freak me out. I think I might have nightmares for life Oh, uh, You'd that. probably pass out. Oh, my gosh. And they look so real. Like, these look. Well, because they are real. I know, but look at the uh, <laughs> like the skin and the flesh that they put on these things. That's nasty. That looks like a real rotting body. Probably is. N- uh, Probably no, they. Pu- I real. think they had bones and then they put the flesh pieces on there. Mm. I fucking hope that the flesh on there is fake. Is fake. That's gross. I. I mean, they look real. I, don't know. As I think shit, the, the shittiest part out of all that. Is that they didn't tell her they were real. Mm-mm. Look at that. Having all those around you. How could you not have nightmares for life after that? Uh, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. But Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I couldn't deal with it. I guess that those skeletons were used in the following films also. Or at least more real skeletons were. So Somebody's final shot at being a Hollywood star. Ha. Ha! No, I don't like that one. 
That wasn't a joke. It was... Jobeth also seems to take the curse home with her. During the shooting of the first film, she was staying in this temporary home where, um, so it's like a home that you rent out, where she said that she would come home every day to find the pictures on the wall were tilted, and then she would straighten them, only to have them tilt again the next day when she was at work. And she said maybe that was a result of the slamming door, but maybe not. It, So it wasn't just one picture? I mean, No, multiple. I think it was multiple. That'd be a little harder to explain. From if a, it's all on the same door. wall. I don't know. But I've, I have seen interviews with her talking about this, how it weirded her out that all of them were tilted. Yeah. That would make me a little bit unnerved myself. Richard Lawson, who played one of the paranormal investigators in the first film, he had something really fucking freakish happen in 1992. So it's a, it's a icy night in March. Uh, I think it's March 22nd. He boarded flight 405 from New York to Cleveland. And before getting seated, he bumps into a flight attendant and she recognizes him. So he signs an autographed, an autographed, Yes, an autographed. That's what he signed. <laughs> and then he ends up bumped up to first class, which is pretty fucking sweet, right? I'd be he's like, an actor and he's not already flying first class? Well, okay, but he or played maybe a, he a was, fairly minor role. Maybe he not was, a, a super big role. Maybe he was hoping to get red neck and eyes and then be bumped up for free. That's a smart idea. It would be nice, huh? Yeah. I've never phone. Fl- phone. I've never flown... First class. I would fucking love to. That oh, looks so baby, nice. I only fly first class. Yep, you with all your money. You know what it do. As the plane goes to try and take off, it veers off of the runway. And it hits a bunch of obstructions and then comes to a rest partially inverted in Flushing Bay. Which just sounds like a fucking toilet-ass name for a fucking bay, right. Flushing Bay. Is that where everybody dumps their dookie water? Yeah. But because it's partially inverted, the the way that it's sitting, it traps a bunch of the passengers and crew. Of the 51 passengers on board, 27 had died, including people in the row that Richard had originally been assigned to. So, if he had been sitting there, it's very likely that he would have died. Just fucked up. While filming the third installment, so Poltergeist 3... Zelda Rubenstein, she's the one that plays like the, the teeny tiny little medium that guides Carol Ann and the family. So she's the one that kind of talks Carol Ann, don't go into the light. Don't fall in the light. Uh, she became disturbed by a light anomaly that occurred in some pictures that were taken of her during a photo shoot on that film. And after the session, she received a phone call that her mother had passed away and she really believed that the anomaly occurred at the exact moment that her mother died. It should be kind of cool and sad at the same time. Be like, hey, mom. Oh, hey, mom. Hey, mom. Like Eeyore. It's more like the, hi, buddy. I hope you find your dad. (laughs) I hope you find your mom. No, it's sad. I don't like it. Sorry, I'm laughing and crying at the same time here because I feel like an asshole. Hope you find your mom. Also, during the filming of the third one, a garage that was being used for the filming caught fire 
when some fake ice fell over and it poured into some prop cars and then like this whole thing just caught fire and it injured three people. I want to know how the fuck fake ice on prop cars catches fire. I wonder if it's sodium. Probably. That makes sense. I've heard, um, I think on Lord of the Rings, they talk about how the fake snow is really salty. Yeah. So, so that would make sense. Yeah, if it touched water. I mean, it's explosive. The fire chief that responded to the call told the LA Times that a ball of fire chased everyone out of there, and there was black smoke all over the place. So it was a pretty good fire Yeah. on the third set. But the curse didn't only affect people that were related directly to the films. There was an author that was novelizing Poltergeist. His name was James Kahn. And one night he experienced this really freakish occurrence. He said that as he wrote the line, lightning streaked the sky, a lightning bolt literally struck his building. It knocked out the lights and blew the front of the AC unit in his room off, which then struck him in the back. And when the lights came back on, he claimed that his video games turned on and started playing themselves. That's fucked up. That's a pretty wild claim. That's crazy. Could you imagine that happening? No. Dude, I would I would probably freak out over something like that. I've had some weird shit happen in my life. And I'll be honest, I freak out when it happens every fucking time. <laughs> like Yeah. I, I don't play it cool. It's not just like, you know, a surge of electricity running through something is gonna make it blow off its door that's clipped on in eight different spots, you know? Well, you know how AC units sit in the window? Yeah. If it hit that directly, it might have been enough. If it hit it directly, that thing would be fried in half. It wouldn't just blow off the front cover. No, no. Lightning creates explosions all the time when it hits stuff. Okay, I'm saying it wouldn't just blow off the front cover if a bolt of lightning hit a little tiny air conditioner, it would fry that thing in half. Okay, I get that you're saying it would fry it, but I'm saying that lightning creates explosions when it strikes things, so if it hits that, it could create an explosion that shoots the front off and fries the rest of that shit. Okay, but that's not what it was Because those little plastic things are only on the front. They're just kind of hinged on there, right. so you can take them off and look those at the inside clips, and clean them yeah. out. Yeah. Okay, I'm saying that if the lightning directly struck this air conditioner... That front cover wouldn't have the opportunity to fly at him. Can we send this to Mythbusters and have them test it? Yes. I send, really, I feel it, like, like Adam would be into this. 30 million volts of electricity or something? I feel like Adam would be into this. He likes lightning stuff, so. Does he? Have you asked him personally? No, I've watched this, this, this sh- show. Sh- sh- Shut up. All right. So I'm going to close this out with um, some weird stuff from the 2015 remake. Can we get an amen? Fuck off. For, no, to cleanse ourselves from the poltergeist. I want you to see this movie. <laughs> the original, not the remake. I don't care about the remake. Fun. You're fucking hysterical. Everybody's laughing with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you are so fucking proud of yourself right now. And the only reason people are laughing is because <laughs> you're laughing. I don't care. I wish people could see your face. Because it's it's something to be proud of. You are so proud of yourself. All right. (laughs) Shut up. All right. What were you giggling about until like 
three o'clock in the morning last night. Some stupid shit. I okay, so I got the laughs. I can't help it when I get the giggles. <laughs> it's like getting the fucking hiccups. You just get started and you can't stop. Oh. I don't remember what was that about? I don't remember. You said something totally stupid. It was just something not worth laughing like that about. And I lost hey, that's my That's pretty disrespectful. No, I'm just saying that in that particular instance, it wasn't funny enough to just lose my shit and keep laughing for a half a fucking hour. You said it was stupid as shit. Asshole. Continue on. <sighs> Director Gil Keenan said that lights would turn on and off by themselves on the set. And that equipment would refuse to work in certain areas of the property. And for some reason, like, they used drones on this set because it's 2015, right? So, for some reason, the drone pilots could never lock onto the GPS signal in the field where they were using it. So, I don't, I, it's a little bit weird. I don't know that I would call that curse. It's just a little odd. Sometimes you're in a zone. As somebody who's used GPS for mapping... I know that, that sometimes you're just in a place where you don't get that great a signal and you can't use it, so I can't really say that that's a curse. He also claimed that the house that he had rented during the filming was really haunted, and it was by a woman that was like a woman all in black. He said that he noticed her really early into the filming. It never escalated. It doesn't sound like anything bad happened, but that she was just kind of there and always there. And then after filming had wrapped, he moved back home and the original owner moved back in. And then he gets this call from that owner who's scared because they had been having these strange things happen in the house and they wanted to know if he'd experienced any of them too. Which would be kind of weird because you're going, you had this house before when you think that you've experienced this stuff already. Is that part? But it also doesn't make any sense for a woman in black to be associated with poltergeist. No. There's no woman in black at any point in poltergeist. I don't. Is it just spirits? There's the theory that you're tapping into something so dark that maybe you're kind of opening the doors. Question for the ghosts, I guess. But that is the last reported curse of the poltergeist. Huh. Was there anything as far as, like, people who watched it? Not that I saw. No? No. I know you have quite a bit when it comes to yours because you picked The Exorcist. I didn't. I mean, I kept it down. I, there's certainly a lot more than what I have, mm -hmm. but. Shall we have a, should we put in some elevator music? We shall. Thank you for sharing your story. You are just so welcome, sir. By the Poltergeist. I wonder what it is, what that translates to in German. Well, Geist is ghost, isn't it? Watch Poltergeist already is German. Let's Google it. Hold on, before we go on our bathroom break. Oh, it's already German. <laughs> well, yeah. So the word Poltergeist comes from the German language words poltern, which means to make, to make sound and to rumble. And Geist, which is ghost and spirit. So it itself a, translates as noisy ghost or rumble ghost or a loud spirit. Which is pretty interesting because I, the conversation that I had with the truth about beer and last night was about a possible poltergeist haunting that I think I had at one of my houses. And it was a really noisy spirit. We had a mimic. Yeah. You'll have to listen to the episode to get all the details if you really... Oh, for sure. 
Yeah. Check the episode deets. Elevator music? Elevator music. So we've got Car Potato here with us. He's going ham bone on the new ham. Mm-hmm. Going a little hard tonight. Really feeling the drink drunk dead mood tonight, I think. So I hear you have a story for me. I do. I'm excited. Oh, you wanted me to tell yeah, it? Yeah, oh, I want okay. you to tell okay, it. my bad. I, didn't know. I love this shit, cursed movies. Ooh, we'll have to come back to these stories when we do um, when we do the episode that's about like the real life inspiration for horror movies because both of our stories have real real, real life. occurrences yeah. behind them. Which is fucking freaky, because these movies are two of the scariest. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, I have to tell you. We did a poll on Twitter. And by we, I mean me, because you don't do jack shit for our social media. You don't even have me on Twitter, so don't give me that bullshit. I can't fucking put you on Twitter, so kiss my dick. All you gotta do is give me the password, which you have yet to do. So our poll was asking which was their favorite cursed movie. And if you don't see it, let us know in the comments. And also, is there one that you refuse to watch? So the four that I put up were, because you can only put up four options, were The Exorcist, The Omen, Poltergeist, and Rosemary's Baby. That is four. Thank you. Good math. One plus one plus Good one plus one there. equals mm-hmm. four. So The Exorcist won, big time, 48%. And then... Poltergeist came in a really close second to The Omen. Uh, Poltergeist 23% and The Omen was 21%. So we picked the two stories that everybody wanted to hear without even intentionally doing it. Consulting the poll. Yep. So we had a few comments I wanted to touch on real quick. Goodnight Podcast said that they've never seen The Exorcist. They've only seen parts of it, but not the whole thing because it scares the hell out of them, which I can relate to. It still scares the hell out of me. I've seen it and it scares me. (laughs) See, for me personally, I settled down with The Exorcist, you know? You know how some people, they'll watch a scary movie and then they'll watch like a Disney movie afterwards to, you know, calm their mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I calm myself with The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. All the many voices and the demons and screaming and backwards. It's really relaxing there. if you yeah, just I let get, yourself it. enjoy it. You think about it in yoga terms, like the weird positions that she gets into. Right. Let's see. Read My Lips podcast said, wasn't it Poltergeist where a bunch of people who worked on the movies died? Yes, that's true. Definitely a good one. P.S. would never ever watch The Exorcist, and I'm a true horror fan. I'm going to make you watch this movie at some point. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm to watch it. We were supposed <laughs> to watch it today, but we just didn't get around to it. We didn't have the it. time. And then Cinema 911 said the Twilight Zone movie seems to be glaringly missing. And of course, that was we could only put four options on there. But that is another supposedly cursed movie. Go out and do some research on it. Maybe we'll talk about it in another cursed movie episode. Because there were quite a few movies that were reportedly cursed. So thank you guys for your comments. And now tell us your story. So, um, in case you didn't get the memo, I'm doing The Exorcist. (laughs) Thank you for that. I was confused. Which one are you doing? In St. Louis, Missouri in 1949, there was an exorcism that was performed on a little boy. This exorcism had become so famous that William Peter Blatty, who was a writer, created a book titled The Exorcist. 
Shortly after followed the film version, in which followed closely along the lines of the book. So there were many details, names, and the location of this true event that were changed. Mm-hmm. Well, For, and the sex of the person. Because right. it was a little details. boy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. To make it more interesting, um, but also to protect the identity of the family. And this was by request of the Is that priest. of the fam? Oh, the priest? The priest who okay. performed the exorcism. So, Blatty, the, the, the writer, at the time did not have access to the priest diary. It had not been made public. Uh, it was a document that was constructed by Father William Bowdern, Bowdern, who was the pastor who performed the exorcism in St. Louis. Um, Is a pastor the same thing as a priest? I don't think so. No. Pastor's like Episcopalian, Lutheran, and a priest is like Catholic. I don't know. (laughs) You're like religion. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I really don't know. Can you tell we're religious? Yeah, right. Um, I mean, obviously, it would have given him the script for a very in-depth story, having that, that, that diary. But instead, he was able to secure an interview where the pastor gave him the detailed accounts of what happened. So rather than, you know, written down, it came from the pastor's mouth, I I guess. wonder why he did it that way. Why not just show him the diary? Why not show the author the diary? I mean, there's a lot of things that go on within the church all churches of many kinds. I just think, I imagine that they probably thought the world wasn't ready for that because there is a hierarchy within it. So, you know, the pastor, the priest would have to get the, you know, the okay from whoever's above them to release it. Apparently it just wasn't that time yet. It is out now. Right. Um, so you can, you know, you can read that. And I found the, it was an online version of it, of course, so I don't know if it is verbatim, but still, it's it's out there. So, in 1971, Blatty released the book, and it had become widely loved by readers and critics alike. It didn't take long until there were talks of creating a movie to, the, to follow the ever-popular story. Blatty, the, the man who wrote mm-hmm. the book was hired to write the script for the film and director William Friedkin, yeah, who Friedkin. was Ugh. a well-known documentarian, uh, was chosen to give the movie the kind of real-world feels. Friedkin's kind of a douchebag. Is he? Yeah. So over a nine-month period of filming in a reproduction set of the St. Louis home, in a warehouse in New York, many freak accidents and unfortunate events took place, leading many to believe that the film was cursed from the start. I think it's kind of respectable that they changed a lot of stuff about it. So they they changed the location of from, from where it took place, from St. Louis to Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. They changed it from a boy to a girl. Of course, they didn't use any of the same names for the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of, to some extent, helps protect the real-life people from the the Hollywood hype, the blowing things out of proportion. You know, Hollywood amps everything up. Not to say that the... I've heard the real story of that 
exorcism, that little boy, and it's fucking wild. But this movie definitely took it to the next step. Took it to the next level, so. Well, they have to, to make a movie out well, yeah. of it, to profit, yeah. you know, to make something interesting. But I'm, I'm just saying that it makes sense to right. kind of protect those people, the real people, from the hype of Hollywood. Yeah. And that was per request of the pastor, or the priest. Oh, okay. Like I said earlier. So, the first of the incidents had occurred on a Sunday morning around 2.30 a.m. There was a fire that broke out on the set, causing the house to burn down, destroying it completely, except for one room, which is the room where they filmed. It was the- Was it her bedroom? It was the girl's bedroom. Oh, my gosh. The possessed So, everything girl. burned down but her room. But that room. That's fucking crazy. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew there was a fire, but I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah. Or that it saved that room. Yeah. A lot of pl- uh, of, of uh, sights that I saw. Did you really, <laughs> dude? Fucking scared the shit oh my out god. Of me. <laughs> you little pussy. Goddamn fucking fireworks. Oh, that scared the She literally piss just jumped out of, out of her pants right now for some fireworks <laughs> that went off behind us. So, after six weeks, a new set was finally finished with construction and... Construction? Construction. You do English good sometimes, too. After six weeks, a new set was finished with construction and filming was to return. But during a check of the sprinkler systems, it was found that they were faulty, which caused another two-week delay. Especially after a fire. Right. Well, they want to make sure, you know, and they want to make sure that they... All right, Hitler, hop out my fucking podcast. <laughs> Definitely not my kind of dude. Hitler. 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 The actor portraying Father Merlin, named Max von Sido, was flying into New York Airport to start his filming on the movie. Just around the same time that he touched down, his brother died unexpectedly in Sweden. That's weird. And then Max himself, later during the filming, was struck down with illness. Didn't say what, but... Did he die? Something. No, he didn't die. He was just... He became really sick. He became really sick, correct. Well, I do that all the time. That's no big deal. NBD. NBD. An Irish actor, Jock... Jack, <laughs> an Irish actor, Jack <laughs> McGowan, an Irish actor, Jack McGowan, who played Burke Dennings, passed away only one week after his character in the film was killed off by the demon in the movie. Ooh, that is weird. It's a little weird. That's a little weird. Right. Father Karras, played by Jason Miller, had an incident involving his son. His little boy was ran over on an empty beach for the most part by a motorcyclist who appeared out of nowhere. He merely escaped the injuries with his life. Damn. That sucks. Right? Like on a beach too. That was the one where really it was like, this just seems odd, you know? More fireworks in the background if you hear them all. 
That was the one that really seemed to me like, okay, this is a little bit odd, mm-hmm. right? On an like empty on beach. on an empty beach, at least as far as the reports Why is go. there a motorcycle even on a beach? Have you right. ever seen a motorcycle on a beach? We have beaches well, yeah. here. I've never seen one. Well, that's because Prescott is protected. You can't ride. Okay, Legally, even so, you can't ride. do you think it'd be challenging to ride on a beach on a motorcycle, I would imagine? Mm, the- no. No, really? Well, you're a motor. You're somebody who's ridden. I'm not. Right. I'm just imagining that two wheels would be, it wouldn't displace the weight the way four wheels would. I mean, once you have motion, it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> Don't I know it, baby? <laughs> what you doing later? Plus, they you. make sand tires. Oh, shit. Bet, can we end this early? I don't even need to finish my story. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you that's guys our for show listening. For Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But still, nonetheless, you know, a motorcycle or not being on a beach, it's just odd, right? Yeah. Ellen Burstyn had injured her back during a scene where the possessed child slaps her. And I guess it's a very forceful mm-hmm. slap. Yeah. Um, so it, it seemed like maybe they had her on some rigging or something, or they she did. was to yep. jump backwards. Uh, this is my story. Okay. Don't add to it. I'm just telling you, I watched Shudder. Gosh. I watched Fuck the off with the Shudder bullshit. They this had is her my on story. Anyways, she landed on her back and then it ended up injuring herself pretty badly. So she had to remain offset to recover, again, setting the time wor- timeline backwards for release. There were a lot of injuries on this set, weren't yeah. there? So I guess that they actually used the scene oh, yeah. where she got injured. They, they used that, that cut for the film that was you know, publicly, publicly released, you know, with the blood-curdling scream of when she hit the ground. Yeah, they do that for quite a few of the really painful scenes in that movie. It gives it a a hella realistic feel. Well, yeah, because it is real. Right. The pain is real. That's what I'm saying. So, from Ellen Bernstein, Bernstein, I don't know if it was a jinx, really, but there was some really strange going-ongs during the making of the film. We were dealing with some really heavy material, and you don't fool around with that kind of material without it manifesting in some way. There were many deaths on the film. Linda's grandfather died. The assistant cameraman's wife had a baby that died. The man who refrigerated the set died. The janitor who took care of the building was shot and killed. I think overall there were nine deaths during the course of the film, which is an incredible amount. It was scary. That is wild. Right. I wonder how often stuff like this really happens and it just doesn't get reported on because it's not considered cursed, though. Maybe people yeah, die Yeah, I feel like a haunted time. movie yeah. is more so. But there's the belief, but like the I said. But the accumulation of all of them on, on one, you know, commonly shared project, mm-hmm. I guess, is the, is the, is, that's the centerpiece here. Yeah. Well, and like. The number of deaths is unusual. You can't really say the accidents are, are. You can't really say the accidents are that unusual though, because that was Freakin's doing. Freakin made sure that they were getting yanked around, and there are so many accounts of this where he just he beat up those actors. Who? So he's the director, Freakin. Freakin, right? Freakin. Freakin. Is it Freakin? 
F-R-I-E-D. I definitely heard it all freaking. Like, freaking. You freaking motherfucker, you. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> I didn't research this. I just watched Apparently you did on Shudder. Well, I did on Shudder, and I already know some about the film, but I'd already heard about the accidents and the way that he would treat the actors on the set. So those I wouldn't say are necessarily part of the curse, but they add to the idea of the curse. If you're going to push people around, yank them around like that, you're going to have accidents. You're just a right, dick. Right, but it's you don't not have just any. that. There's really only that right. one with the... Mm-mm, Linda Blair got really hurt. She fucking fractured her lower spine. On Exorcist? Yeah. Did you not find that fact? The novel, oh, yeah. Movie. There's a scene where she's on the bed and she's like flailing up and down. And I knew this from before even watching that shutter thing, like I said, but they reiterated it on there. She's flailing up and down on the bed and they have her in this harness and they just, they're yanking it really hard and she fractures her lower back. And her screaming and pain in the movie is her real pain of fracturing her spine. And he does this like over and over and over in the film. He was not considerate of his actors. So the actors weren't the only ones who got the shit end of the stick. There was a carpenter who accidentally cut off his thumb. Ow. While building a set. And an electrician who lost a toe. Oh, I'm guessing he fell off of like a ladder. I have my grandfather's sister, I want to say, lost a toe. Or my grandfather's brother's wife. So sister-in-law, I guess, to him. Lost a toe. Falling off a ladder. Like she she fell backwards and her toe got stuck. Did it it snap it? Pop right off. I've heard of people doing that with flip-flops. Just like. Nope. Mm-mm. Oh my god, that makes me sick. Stop doing that. <laughs> I might throw up. She's like, oh, I'm falling off no, the ladder. I hate you. I can't even listen. I'm playing. Oh no, my I have one less toe. They're gonna soon they're gonna look like the fucking witches from the movie <laughs> The Witches, where they just have square ass feet and yeah, no toes. Right. In nineteen eighty-seven, Mercedes McCambridge, the actress who voiced the demon of Zuzu? Pazuzu? Pazuzu was victim of a horrible happening when her son murdered his wife and children before taking his own life. Ooh, that's fucked up. Wife and... Oh, that's awful. I don't like that story. That's you really don't like sad, many baby. Stories. No, I don't like thinking about real people suffering things. So during a location trip to Iraq, there was... You mean Iraq? Iraq. 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 Okay. Whatever. Iraq. During a location trip to Iraq, which was rescheduled from spring to July, the original 18-man crew was quickly whittled away to only half that. They lost nine people? The 130-degree-plus temperatures caused heat stroke and dysentery in many of the members. Isn't dysentery the one where you, like, shit your brains out? Mm-hmm. Or is that cholera? I don't know. There are so many diseases where you shit your brain out. I just can't keep them all straight. I don't know. I believe dysentery is involuntary release of bowel. So, yeah. Basically what you do every morning. Yeah. No, that's voluntary completely. Is it? Most days. 
There was a bronze statue of the Neo-Assyrian winged demon, Pazazu, which was shipped by heirs to meet the crew there. It was mixed up in transit and ended up in Hong Kong. So something, I don't know, necessarily relatable, but again, it's something that shouldn't have happened that happened. I don't know. People lose shit all the time and flying and shipping. I've lost luggage and shipping. Okay, but it's one thing to lose luggage. How do you lose a 10-foot, probably 1,000-pound statue? Like, you don't just accidentally move that somewhere else. If they didn't put the right fucking sticker on it or somebody wasn't paying attention, this was the 70s. It's not now where they have those scanner shits. Okay, so that'd be even more so to the point. No, I think a scanner would be more accurate. Because it's going to be like, yo, here's the barcode. This is where you send it. Trust me, I work in a pharmacy. It don't exist like that. Uh-huh. Okay. Go ahead. Go on. So things had gotten so bad that William Friedkin called in Thomas Birmingham from the Jesuit community at Fordham University. Do you mean Jesuit? Jesuit. It's Jesuit, Are darling. Are you the Jew? It's not Jewish. Christian. Okay, Jesuit. it doesn't matter. Jesus, Jesuit. Jesuit. Jews don't Do you want me to Jesus? Google Translate this bullshit? Go ahead. He had been hired to be a technical advisor for the film, along with Father John Nicola. When Friedrichin Friedkin? Friedrichin? When Friedkin came to set, he asked Nicola to exercise the set. Nicola. Do you want to keep going back to what this conversation we've been having, this argument? He was unable to exercise, but gave a blessing instead that was attended by everyone who was a part of the crew at the time. So nothing else really happened on the set after it, um, but around the time there was a fire in the, I'll pronounce it how you wanted to pronounce, Jesuit. Jesuit? I'm still not going to pronounce it. No, you're not. You're Resident set. <laughs> so the devil comes in and is like, fuck you, man. I'm going to set fire to you all, bitches. Right. I'll leave everything else alone. But pew, 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 pew. Fuck you. So post-production work on the film saw some of its own odd happenings. Ooh, do tell. Uh, there were people that claimed that they had seen strange images and visions that showed up on the film that were never planned to be in the shot. That doesn't sound right. I think that those people absolutely plan for shit to be in those shots and fuck with people's heads. I think so. Oh, yeah. I absolutely believe so. Friedkin was a dick. He knew what he was doing. Double exposures had appeared even in the little girl's face. What does a double exposure really do? I think it's kind of, you know, like, I think, again. Um, yeah, you don't you know. know. You when, haven't been around okay, for Okay, well, it's a it's a good assumption. You know, when, like when you watch a 3D movie, how there's the blue and the red? Mm-hmm. I believe that would be a double exposure. How one is a little bit offset, like there's a double version of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's a safe assumption. Which would be odd coming from one camera lens like it should only pick up one form 
It's been a long time since I've used film film, so I really don't right, remember but what I mean, double just exposure the is. Theology of it, it only captures one picture every, you know. Did you say the theology? The theology. You know, that's the study of like religion, right? Theology. Yeah. Theoretically. There you go. That's what you want. No, it's theology. No, go ahead and Google that shit. Okay. The study of fuck Emily Joel is always right. Close Google. I was right, so the (laughs) Exorcist debuted in theaters on December 26th of 1973. Look, that's a weird date to release a movie. I feel like the day after Christmas. Like, why? December, wait, you said December 25th or December 26th? 26th. 6th. I heard 25th. (laughs) Of course, you hear whatever you want to hear. I do, a lot of times, it's true. A lot of times, all the oh, time. Oh, fuck off. No, don't fuck off. It's it true. was like eight and a half years before my film premiered. The scariest film to ever hit this earth, what, you mean? Wait, when did yours premiere? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 1973. Yeah, that's like eight and a half years before mine. <laughs> I lost it once. Once you moved on and the tequila hit, I didn't know what was going on anymore. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> Just keep going. I'm enjoying my little pigtail uh-huh. right here. All right, you need to stop it, dude. You're not tripping on LSD anymore. You're an adult. Not LSD. It would be ecstasy, man. That shit feels so good. So within weeks of its first public screenings, many stories circulated on people vomiting and fainting during the movie. Mm-hmm. Some also reported having disturbing nightmares. Mirrors? What? Nothing. Go on. I'm just mocking. I don't you, know why you got to be a dickhead for every single thing. Because, because it's you so are fun. The re- even ushers who were put under doctor's care, some even quitting their jobs after being a part of a number of screenings in a row. Many cities across the states had found that in areas where the exorcist had been running for many weeks, hospitals were dealing with patients who, after seeing the film, reported severe cases of vomiting and hallucinations. So it really fucked with people's heads. Right. I can see it. It's But it's corny now. A lot of it probably could have could have been attributed to mental illness and maybe after seeing the movie they're like, "Oh, cuz mental illness even in the 70s and 80s wasn't really widely accepted and What's the word I'm thinking of? I don't know, but I would have to disagree. I think a lot of it is propaganda. What is? Mental illness? No, no, no. The stories of people having all these difficulties. It's propaganda like anything else is. When it comes to these films. Propaganda is the proper word there. If you want to sell a film, what are you going to do? If it's supposed to be the scariest film that's ever existed, which realistically, it probably is one of the most frightening fucking films that has ever existed. But if you want people to see it, you need to sell it. So are you trying to say that they were paying people to go to the doctors and claim that they were possessed? But a lot of, that's not what was happening though, but people were saying that they were That was what was happening. Well, it plants an idea in people's heads. And you don't have to be mentally ill to have something planted in your mind. We get it every day from fucking ads on TV to our news to whatever. 
Well, we're all a little mentally ill. But the people who, to that. who on the higher spectrum of their of their claims, you know, they'd be running into a hospital claiming that they're possessed and, and having all these visions and in hallucinations and experiences, I would say that's probably somebody who more so than not is mentally ill. There's probably somebody that's just trying to get attention or is going with the hype or whatnot. I think there are people that get ideas in their heads. We get ideas. We see things and we're like, the minute there's an illness out there, say there's coronavirus. Um, Spinach being recalled for E. coli contamination. Everybody who has ever bought anything green is like, that's fucking me. I've got E. coli. It's a thing. You no. Ask, oh, yes, it oh, is. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, sure oh, no, as shit, it is. Oh, yep. no, it's not. Okay. Continue with your story. Uh-huh. I disagree with you. That's all right. We can have our disagreements. So there was a large interest in exorcism following the huge success of the film. There were people showing up to churches that were claiming they were possessed. Possessed? Possessed. 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 Stop. What the fucking... I'm about to splash you with this holy water. Fucking demon bullshit. If you get taken, dude, if you're floating in the, on the ceiling in the middle of the night, fuck you, I'm going back to bed. You brought this on yourself. Stop. Stop. Knock it off. You're so serious. I'm playing with you. Knock it off. You fucking hate that, don't you? (laughs) And I am so entertained by it. People showing up to churches claiming they were possessed. There were priests and self made holy men who started performing exorcisms, but only with the hopes to make money off of, you know, this paranormal wave that was floating across America. I can't relate to that at all. Yeah, right. Paranormal (laughs) podcast, dot, dot, dot. Last little bit I have for you. There were demonic voices in the soundtrack. The soundtrack for the movie, right? part of the soundtrack, though. Okay, but I have more for you. Speculation came that it was from a real exorcism. Ooh, that would be creepy. People thought that, be, you know, the reason why people were... A lot of people thought that the, the watching the movie itself would... People thought the film itself held bad omen, right? Like, watching it automatically meant that you were going to have spirits in your life. You were going to be possessed mm-hmm. by this demon, right? So... I think that's where a lot of this, you know, the voices they interpreted all these different sounds from the soundtrack to be from a real exorcism. So Friedkin never claimed to have used the sounds in the film, but he did say that there was an an exorcism that he attended where he had a recorder, a voice recorder with him, where he captured um, the voices of the person where the demon possessed them. So it was the demon, technically speaking, through the person. And he captured that on a recorder. But he said he never used those exact, or, or, you know, he never used that recording, but rather kind of emulated or copied 
okay. what they were saying. Mm-hmm. So it was somebody else reenacting what he recorded. That, okay, so it's like all the paranormal shows where they reenact everything. Yeah, I get it. Right. So that That's is still the creepy. exorcist for you. That's certainly not everything that went on. No, no. There were nine deaths in total. I think I covered about six. Five or six, yeah. But um, We're going to have to do this again for other cursed movies because yeah. you wanted to do The Crow, right? That pops yeah, up on I mean, lists a lot. I think a lot of them, even in your story, especially in mine, just kind of seemed like freak accidents, mm-hmm. wrong place, wrong time. But it makes sense but why people were, would tie them together. Right, because there were a lot of things. Nine mm-hmm. deaths tied to one single, uh, at least with The Exorcist, it was within a nine-month filming period. Mm-hmm. So a that death a every lot. month, you know, with maybe even a team of, I don't know, I mean, I don't even know how many people are on a, a team to film a movie, especially back in the 70s and 80s. Not nearly as much as now. There might be 100, 200 people on a team to film a movie now, but back then maybe even 50 or 100. But still, the odds are statistically that nine people pass away. It's not, like, ridiculous to think that almost a tenth of people. If there are any statisticians out there that study this kind of stuff, we would love to know, realistically, what are the statistics of this number of people Dying from such horrific accidents, mm. right? It's not like it's natural, normal like death, especially in your yeah. case. But to have this many people die like this, it is weird. I get why people might think they're cursed. I personally don't believe in curses. I do. Do you really? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I believe that you believe it's all. In voodoo? I believe that. Our mind has more power than we recognize, and I think oh, that we lend to that. So, if we believe in something, then we give it power. When I was younger, I used to try to train my brain to use more of its power because MythBusters said that. Well, I mean, the myth was that we only use like ten percent of our yeah, brain. Yeah, so not true. Like we use like we most use, of it. Well, but not at any one given time. That's the thing. That's the kicker there. That's where that 10% comes from. At any one given time. We use nearly 100% of our brain at some point in time. Well, we have right? to. Otherwise, there'd be no purpose for the brain to right, begin for with. for different neurons and, and neural connections to exist. Correct. But at any one given time, for any one given task, we only use at maximum, uh, you know, average to 10% of our brain, which they said was about correct. The one guy, uh, who was the Asian guy? Grant Imahara. Grant Imahara used, he was the highest scoring. And he was, I think he was about like 14 or 15% at one given time. Mm-hmm. I, would, I think I, we do have the power to use more than that. We just forgot or don't know how to harvest more. I would love to see a study of women multitasking compared to men and see the percentage of brain use. Why do you think that's any different? There's a reason they design computers after women's brains, because we have the ability to multitask at a different level than men do. It's realistic. It's statistically proven. Just go out and look it up. I don't think that's true. Okay. I can multitask far better than you can. 
you can deal with noises in the background far better than I can. Multitasking? I am on a whole different level. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not fucking kidding you. It's not even a competition. It really is. Because you are left at the starting line and I'm already at the finish. You're so funny. fuck off. There's your first example of why you are wrong. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up a little bit here. So just a reminder to go out and uh, check out our spotlight, which is Ecuador's Amazon Emergency Action Fund. Please go and give if you can. If not, share their information. Let people know about what's going on so maybe somebody else can give. I totally can relate. There are times when I have that little extra that I can give something and times when I don't. But make people aware. And don't forget to rate and review if you like the show. It's a really big deal, especially on particularly on iTunes. We've gotten quite a few ratings and reviews and it's going great and I love reading them. It makes me so happy. But if you don't have iTunes, don't forget to tell your friends because that's a huge deal. Tell other people. We have grown massively in the past month. I can't Mm, believe it. Okay, so I don't know if you guys remember, but at the beginning of June, we celebrated 500 listens. That's a big deal for us. From February to June, 500 listens. So that's about 100 listens a month or so. From June to July, we have had well over 300 listens. We've had a massive amount of supports and rates and reviews. And we thank you guys so much. That's helping us out immensely. It makes us feel great because we feel like we're not just sending this out to the nothingness. And we're glad that you're enjoying it. We love doing this. So... If you can't rate and review, please tell your friends about it. Do you want to tell them where they can find us on social media? No. I don't know how some more tequila. So you can find us on, um, um, it's called Drink Drunk Dad. And if you already don't know this, then fuck you because you should. But don't, because if this is the first episode that you're listening to us, then you wouldn't know. Because then, uh, we just if, get better. Hey. Hey, you with the face out there. I know it's your turn. If this is if this is the first one that you've ever seen, then we love you so much. Baby, tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. And you Seriously. can you can find us on social media. At drink. Drunk. Dead. Dead. Or you can send us an email at drinkdrunkdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So you can and find us. We would love to hear your personal accounts. Or if you just want chit chat or stuff. Um and um if you want to give us coupons for anything. Oh my god, Arby's. Oh my god, send us Arby's. It's coupons, right down the fucking road. Please. Seriously, like four we blocks love away. Arby's. Arby's, if you're listening, send us a fucking gold card because we're gonna max that shit out. And we're not so you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook i will say that i handle all the social media and i'm definitely (laughs) most active on twitter thank you guys for listening we really appreciate it we see it it means the world to us especially me i get super excited i literally check our website every fucking day and i see all the listens and it means the world yeah i've lost my girlfriend and gained a podcaster (laughs) (laughs) Uh literally don't be sad Mm -hmm. I love you
Sure you do. And I love our listeners. Uh-huh. You just use me because I'm the funny one. Oh, you're right. That's definitely it. You wouldn't have a podcast without me. Let's be honest here. Don't forget next week. Hopefully, I think we should be having a guest on here. We will be having Bree Carnegie. So tune in for that and a special episode. And shall we raise, raise a, a toast, toast to, to our, our ghosts? ghosts.